The following message was recorded at Fountain of Life Fellowship in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com. 1 John is in chapter 1, verses 5 through 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. We say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness. We lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' his Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. The word of the Lord. Let's pray, then we'll hit the word together. Uh, Heavenly Father, help us as we focus a little bit now on uh, your voice. Lord, that's what this is, is your word. Who am I, God, to teach this word? Um, Undeserving, but Lord, I thank you that you use uh, flawed people to uh, work out your purposes. So help us now, Lord. You know each person here. You know. You know their mind, their hearts. You know what they're worried about. You know where they sit in relationship to you. Uh, You know what they need. And so we pray, Holy Spirit, that we'd have an interaction with you as we sit before your word and that you would do the work that each one of us needs in our minds and our hearts, and uh, do it in me as well. Lord, help us now as we look at your word. Help me to teach this faithfully. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We've been thinking about this question, how can you know that you know God? How can you know that you know God? And I think out of all the questions in the world, this is the one you want to get right, isn't it? Isn't, Isn't this the one that's most important? That you can know that you actually know the real God. The reason this question is so important is because it's about joy, ultimately. That's what John's been saying. It's about joy. We can have fellowship with the Father and the Son. And that's what every heart needs. That's what you're longing for, even if you don't know it yet. To have fellowship with God, to know the Father and the Son. That's, that's joy. It's eternal joy. And if you don't know Him, it's the opposite. No joy. Moreover, to have joy now in the Christian life, we need that idea of, we need assurance, real assurance, that we actually, truly know the real God. There's joy when we have that, isn't there? And there's sorrow and doubt when we're not sure. How can we know that we know God? We're working through 1 John, and answering that question is what this letter is all about, isn't it? Over 30 plus times, he uses the word know. You can know. You can know. More than that, he, several times he says you can have confidence. You can know that you know the real God. So it's written by John, the old apostle. He's writing for clarity on how to know God that can bring confidence that leads to joy. We can trust him because as we saw last week, he's an apostle. He was an eyewitness. His eyeballs saw the person of Jesus and what he did, what he said, his death on the cross, his resurrection. We can trust this letter. He's bringing clarity as to how 
to know God, which can bring confidence that you do know God, which leads to joy. But as we saw last week, it can also bring crisis, can't it? The clarity can bring crisis. What do I mean there? Well, he's going to say, this is how you know God, and you might say, I don't have that. or I'm not there yet. What do we do in that crisis? Seek him. Seek him. Ask, pursue, seek. From clarity, we can move to confidence, which leads to joy. Well, last week we heard uh, John tell us that knowing God starts by trusting yourself to that original, unimprovable truth of the gospel, who Jesus is and what he's done. This next section talks about our relationship to that truth. How can you make sure that you have the joy of knowing that you know God? That's what this passage is about. We're going to take this in three parts. To have the joy of knowing that you know God, you need to, number one, remember the truth. Number two, you need to consider your relationship to the truth. And number three, you need to practice the truth. So to have the joy of knowing that you know God, remember the truth, consider your relationship to the truth, practice the truth. So let's dive in, first of all, verse 5. John says, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. And what's the message? God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. This is the truth we want to remember, the truth that God is light. First of all, where did John uh, get this message? John said, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you. you know, it's just a reminder. I try really hard not to preach my own self-made opinions on Sunday mornings. Um, it wouldn't be worth you coming, really. I'm not that smart or creative. Um, I want to preach the message of the apostles as found in the scriptures. But we see here that John didn't want to preach his own inventions either. John says, this is the message we have heard from him. From who? From Jesus. From Jesus. We want to listen to him. Again, John heard him speak. John saw him with his eyes. John beheld him. John touched him. We saw that last week. John saw the miracles. He heard the teaching. He, he, he watched the crucifixion. He saw a risen resurrected Jesus. He was made an apostle by that Jesus to tell us, to proclaim to us Jesus and Jesus' message. John calls him the word of life. He's the eternal son of God, Jesus is. He took on human skin to die from sins and rise from the dead so we could have fellowship with him. We saw that last week. So that we can know God personally. Fellowship with the Father and the Son. And part of Jesus' message is this. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So what does that uh, conjure up in you when we say God is light? What does that mean? Which, what should you be thinking or feeling? If, uh, say, you do a word search or something in your Bible app, or you look in your index in the back, you'll see that light is a huge theme all throughout the Scriptures. Many, many times it is reference. And I think if you studied all those, you could come up with this conclusion. Light is about, it's, it's a picture of the kind of life that God alone has as God. Light is the picture of the kind of life 
that God alone has as God. Let me just give you a couple examples. Look at 1 Timothy 6, 15. 1 Timothy 6, 15. Here Paul's just kind of throwing out a doxology of praise to who God is. Look at what he says about God. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable, what? Light. First of all, God is blessed. You know what that means? That means he's happy. God is infinitely happy in himself. That's important for you, by the way. How could you ever find joy in God if God wasn't joyful? God is happy. Number two, uh, he's sovereign, king of kings and lord of lords. What does that mean? He's sovereign. He's totally in control. Our happy, joyful God is totally and always in control of everything. Moreover, verse 16, he alone has immortality. You know what immortality is. What's that? He has the kind of life where he never uh, corrupts, falls apart, never dies. It's kind of amazing to think of, isn't it? You think of uh, your own life. You had a beginning. And in that beginning, what did you have lots of? You had lots of need. Needing people to clean you, feed you, teach you. Then you, you kind of climb up the hill a little bit. Some of you are in this moment. You're young and beautiful and strong. Okay? Some of us are remembering that moment. Um, and then I guess they call it over the hill. Because you, you begin to know that the, the, the Bible verse that says all men, they're like grass. And they wither. And you start to fall apart. And you start to realize you don't have life in you, um, always burning, always sustaining. You're starting to fade. God's not like that. He is all-sufficient in himself. He's eternal. He has no needs. His life comes from within, and it's, it's a different kind of life. It's eternal. It's, it's immortal. It's perfect, in need of nothing. One illustration you see, you remember the story when uh, Moses encounters God on the mountain, and there's a burning bush? Come on, we've all seen something on fire before. What's the big deal? What was the big deal about the burning bush? The bush wasn't being burnt up. What does that teach you? You know, every fire is dependent on the fuel for the fire, except for this one. I don't need any fuel. I just burn. That's God's life, all sufficient in need of nothing. And you think of all creation coming out of him, right? What, what does the beginning of the Bible tell you? Um, God said, let there be light. And all of a sudden, um, whereas before there was just the creator, now there is creation, zillions of stars, the fine-tuning of all the physical forces. And it just came out of him, the beauty of macro, mountains, planets, solar system, and micro-cells. Just came out of him by his word. What kind of life does he have to create life as he has. Then this text says, he alone has immortality. He dwells in unapproachable light. What do you think of that? 
image or illustration. You know what happens to your eyeballs if you stare at the sun at uh, about 12 o'clock today, if the clouds burn off? You can actually burn the tissue of your retina. And in 1 Timothy 6.15, Paul says God's light is unapproachable. That's that idea. Have you ever tried to drive into the sunset and you can't even see and it hurts? God's light is like that. It's inapproachable. If you, if you got close to a manifestation of his light, I mean, nobody in the Bible, when they see God, they never go, hey, what's up, God? <laughs> oh, good to see you again. Read Job. And when he finally meets God, he says, I hate myself. Uh, read Isaiah. He's God's prophet. And he, he meets God and he says, woe to me, I'm coming apart. Or watch the disciples with Jesus. They're afraid of the storm. And then they watch him say, be still, and it's still. And then the, the text tells us, they didn't go, oh, sweet, we're all good. No, now they're really afraid. Who is this man? When Peter f- finds out who Jesus is, he says, depart from me. I'm unclean. I cannot handle your light. It's too much. You're too good and you're too pure and you're too holy. I thought I was the sun in the solar system and I just got exposed. Light is the kind of life God alone has. But our God is the kind of God who shines and shares the light of his life. Look at Psalm 36, 7 and 9. Psalm 36, 7 and 9. Real quick, the psalmist says, How precious is your steadfast love, O God. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. You give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. And then it's an an interesting switch. In your what? Light. Do we see light? Do you see the connection between God's life and light? So first of all, the psalmist is saying, your love is so steadfast, it's so precious. It continues on and on. Uh, Nothing changes it. It's not dependent on any outside force. It stays the same because of who God is. And then he talks about how God is so sufficient and so good that his goodness just overflows into feasting for others. The children of mankind take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house. So there's just so much sufficiency in God that those who enjoy his goodness are always satisfied from the light of his life. It says you give them to drink from the river of your delights. Remember how our God is happy? He's blessed. His, the delights flow out of him like a river. And his people can drink. Awesome. And then verse 9, for with you is the fountain of life. Hey, that's our church name, right? <laughs> with God is the fountain of life. So you see, his life is different. It's just an exploding torrent of goodness and sufficiency. The fountain, it never dries up. And as we receive that fountain, all of a sudden we can see. It's, his life is light. In your light, do we see light? This is what C.S. Lewis meant when he said, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun is risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. God, seeing God and who he is makes sense of everything else. 
But we see that God is light, and that's a picture of the unique kind of all-sufficient, holy life that he has. And we see that God shines and shares the light of his life. Now we can get the idea of what Jesus is saying, what what he meant when he said God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So think about this metaphor of light versus dark. I think there's a truth aspect. You ever tried to look for something in the dark? What do we need? You know, get the flashlight, shine the light, and now all of a sudden, what can you do? You can see. You understand the reality around you now because you can see. So there's a truth aspect to God's light. So what would darkness be then? If light is truth, darkness is deception, lostness, believing a lie, blind, foolish, So there's truth versus the lie. There's also a moral aspect to God's light. He is beautiful and good. And what he says is good and life and true and love. If that's true about light, then what's darkness? Darkness is when something's twisted and evil and selfish and corrupting and abusive. So there's a truth aspect. There's a moral aspect to God's light. There's also an aspect of thriving, and you can see it. God's life is just, it's the fountain of life. And if if you're with him, Jesus said, I came to give you abundant life, thriving, whereas darkness, what's that like? It's death. It's destruction. So Jesus says, God is light, pure truth, pure goodness, pure life, no darkness at all. There's no lie in God. No darkness at all. There's no evil in God. No darkness at all. There's no death in God. He is light. And as light, God hates and obliterates the darkness like the sunrise does every morning. He's light. Can you comprehend this, God? Think of your ability to know truth. You can know some truth, right? Is it comprehensive? Are you kidding? No way. Don't know everything. Think of your moral fiber. Do you hate what's evil? I know what you, you know, I know what you want to jump out of you. Yes. Really? How much do you hate what's evil? You know, it's a a terrible exposure for that is how you respond to someone who treats you with evil. Because if you hated evil, how would you respond to that evildoer? With good. But what do you tend to do when someone treats you with evil? Give some evil right back to them. Do you really hate evil or do you hate being slighted? How much do you hate evil? I mostly hate most kinds of evil, I like to think, on a good day. Why, why, why do you lust still? Why do you tend to be a materialist? Why do you, want to, why do you need to be first in line? Why, why are we selfish? I, I sort of hate evil. And you see why God's light is difficult for us. He always perfectly hates evil. Thankfully, the God of light saves people from the darkness. Look at John eight twelve. 
Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, what did Jesus say about himself? You see what he means here now. I am, what does he call himself? The light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the what? Light of life. You see? Light is about the quality of God's life. And Jesus came to save people out of the darkness and bring them into God's light and life. Because he is the light. He is the life. He is the revelation of God. So we're remembering the truth. God is light. That's really important for the rest of this passage. Now I want you to consider your relationship to the truth. And here I think we need to see what Jesus taught in the Gospel of John, chapter 3. So if you're in the book, I want you to turn in your Bible to the Gospel of John, chapter 3. It's going to be on page 888. John 3, page 888. I'm convinced this passage is in the Apostle John's mind as he writes 1 John. Remember, John said, this is a message we've heard from him. From who? Jesus. God is light. And in this passage, Jesus says some amazing things about light and darkness, and people's relationship to the light and the darkness. So this is what I want you to ponder right now. I want you to ask yourself, what is my relationship to the light of God? We'll start in John three nineteen. These are the words of Jesus. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people loved what? The darkness rather than the light why? Because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. So you got, you've got Jesus coming. He's got wisdom like no one else. He's got love like no one else. He's doing miracles that are unbelievable. And yet on the whole, people reject him. Why? Why? If you read the Gospels, it's not because of a lack of evidence. It's simply not. They have this whole history of scriptures promising Jesus. He's fulfilling them all. His miracles are just in a crowd. They're obvious. Why are they rejecting him? And Jesus is going to tell you part of the answer here. The light has come into the world, and what do people love? The darkness. We love the darkness. You see something important about what we, what we mean as sin, what we mean by sin as Christians. Sometimes we think of sin as an accident we did once or twice. A mistake. I stepped in it once. I just, I had a bad day. But Jesus here teaches us that sin is not uh, something bad you did once or twice. Sin is an inclination at the core. It's what you love. It's what you want. It's what you desire. And so when Jesus comes as light, I mean, it's almost like the idea that we're... Anybody ever live in a tropical place and you have a roach problem? It, it, that happens in California. I'm bringing up roaches on Sunday morning. I'm sorry. You got a roach in your sink. You flip on the light. What do they do? You can almost hear them. It's, 
Okay? That's me without Jesus. The light shines, and I get exposed by who he is. And I don't like it. It threatens me. Why? Number one, Jesus is the light is a direct confrontation to your own self-rule. You know, you, we want to be good people and kind of be in charge and keep Jesus over here, give him a head nod every once in a while. When you see the light of Jesus, it says to you, bow that knee. Bow that knee. I'm the eternal son of God. I'm your only hope. Bow that knee. The only way to know me is to submit to me, surrender to me. You got to be all in. Not, nothing left behind. Come on. I'll, I'll take all of you the way you are, but you got to come all the way in. And he deserves that as the son of God, as the creator. That's who he is. His light shines. And I, you tell me what your heart does the first time you hear that. I want to run down the, the, the pipe in the sink. Back to my darkness, because I want to rule myself. Moreover, his light exposes our evil. It exposes our evil. You ever been caught red-handed? You know, you said something nasty about someone, and they had just walked in the room. <laughs> and then you say, oh, I didn't mean it. Yeah, you did. The light was on. You got exposed. No one will expose you like Jesus. His word will expose you. What if what you said this week was played over the sound system? What if what you imagined this week was seen on the overhead? What if you got exposed in front of all of us? Would anyone in here go, check me out in my righteousness? Or would you, would you run like a roach into the pipe? I would run. And so we don't like the light. We love the darkness because our deeds are evil. Everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light lest his works should be exposed. What's your relationship to the light? But look now at 21 because this does happen. It can happen. It has happened. There's another way to live. There's another kind of person. Verse 21. Whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Verse 21. That Jesus says, whoever does, uh, the, Greeks, the Greek means d does the truth, comes to the light, which means there is, there is such a thing as a heart change where instead of running from the light because you'll get exposed, you run to the light because you're willing to be exposed. Because you want the light so badly that you say, here I am. Here I am, see it. Save me. Here I am, and you come to the light where you, you surrender, you bow the knee, you want him. What does that look like? Do you, do you see the two kinds of people running from the light, running to the light? What does that look like? I wish I could spend more time in this chapter, but we'll wrap it up here. Look at John three sixteen. Maybe you've heard this before. John three sixteen. 
What does it mean to come to the light, to be willing to be exposed, to say, God, I'm bowing the knee. God so loved the world. The world here means even, even that dark world, even those dark, roachy people. Yeah, those people. God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever, what? Notice what doesn't come first. He doesn't say whoever gets their act together and finally starts to shine like light can have eternal life. It's not what he says because that's not possible. People who are in darkness, by God's grace, what do some of them do? Whoever believes in him. Now let's unpack what that means by what that mean uh, what that word believe means. Okay, how many how many of you believe? Uh, let's pick something easy. George Washington was the first president. Okay, you believe that's true? You have a mental ascent of that knowledge. In fact, good. Any of you who don't, you're some weird conspiracy theory. I don't know about you. Okay, if you believe he's he's the first president, fine. D does it take any of your? Uh, do you rely on that for joy, meaning, purpose, and righteousness in your life? No, is it? It doesn't change your life. It's just something you learned in school. Is that what it means to come to Jesus, to, to believe some facts about him? A lot of people think they're Christians because they believe some facts about Jesus are historically true. Do you believe Jesus is Messiah? Yeah. Do you believe he died for sins? Yeah. Do you believe he rose from the dead? Yeah. If that's all you have towards Jesus, you're not a Christian. There's a horrible verse in the book of James. Some of you already know what I'm going to say. Who else believes facts about Jesus? Even the demons believe facts about Jesus. They're not in the light. They're not. So to believe in context, it means you're bowing the knee to the light of who Jesus is. You're, you're surrendering and you're trusting yourself to him wholly as your savior, as your king, and as your treasure. He becomes everything to you. He becomes the sun in your solar system. You're no longer the sun in your solar system asking Jesus to revolve around you. He's now the sun in the solar system and you revolve around him. When you trust Jesus like this, look what happens. Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 9. Ephesians 5, verses 8 to 9. At one time, you were darkness. Do you see how Paul talks to Christians? At what time, you were darkness. So, so what does that mean, remember? Deception, you were deceived about what, it, what you live for. Uh, morality, you were evil, you did evil things, you practiced them, you loved them. Thriving, no, you were corrupted, you were dying, you were broken. You were darkness, and, and who among us is that? That's all of us. You were darkness, but now, because you've trusted Christ, look what Paul says about you. Now you are what? You are light. How? Look at the next phrase. In the Lord. In the Lord. When you humble yourself and you truly trust Jesus Christ, you bow the knee to him, God unites 
you to him. And you have all that he is. And because he is light and you are connected to him by faith, guess what you are? You are light. Not because it flows organically out of you, but because it flows out of him into you. His light is your light. You are light by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. That's clarity. Remember, John is dropping clarity. Do you know God? How do you know you know God? John is saying, this is how this starts. If you want to know the real God, if you want to have fellowship with him and know his love, you have got to leave darkness and come into light because God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And the way that happens is you bow the knee of your heart and you put your trust in Jesus Christ. And, it, and your, your relationship to him moves from knowing some facts about him to knowing him because you've trusted yourself to him. That's clarity. That's how you know God. That's how you know. And so now maybe crisis. What is your relationship to God and his light? Only you can know. I'm praying that God will show you. What is your relationship to God and his light? Where are you on the spectrum? Are you, are you still on the outside looking in? Are you, are you cringing before God's light? Are you saying, I can't give up control? There's things in my life I'm not giving control of. I want, I want self-rule. Jesus, stay over there. I got to get out of here. I got to find some way to get out of here. Or are you, are you in the process of, do you hear Jesus' voice say, come on. I'll take you as you are. I will give you my light. Trust me. And maybe you're right around the corner. You're going to trust him all the way and bow the knee. Or maybe you know that's already you. And you know you know that you've trusted him. Hey, find joy and some assurance. Guess what you are? You are light in the Lord. You know him. So what are we doing? We want to know how we know God. We want to remember the truth. The first truth is this. God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. Then we want to think about our relationship to the truth. Have you trusted your life to Jesus? If not, you're in darkness. If so, you are what? You are light. And that gets us ready to unpack the rest of this passage in 1 John. Flip, flip back to 1 John now. Page 1021. I very much want you to know that verses 6 to 10 are not about how to become a Christian. Do you know that? Verses 6 to 10 are not about how to become a Christian. You might read that and say, if I walk in the light enough, God might accept me. Let's just be honest. How's that going to go? How's that going to go? Have you ever walked in the light enough to be good enough for the God in whom there is no darkness at all to accept you? I, I, I get an F on that every day. There's no chance. This is not about how to become a Christian. This is about knowing that you are a Christian and experiencing what it means to be a Christian. 
So you can have assurance that you know God. We don't walk in the light so that God will accept us. We walk in the light because God has already accepted us through Jesus. Having seen that, now we move forward. Do you see how many times John says, if we say, look at verse 6, if we say we have fellowship with him, okay, look at verse 8, if we say we have no sin, look at verse 10, if we say we have not sinned, do you see what he's starting to get after? You can say you believe something, you can say you know something, you can say all sorts of stuff, but come on, this isn't just a Christian thing, uh, what does a girlfriend say to her boyfriend when he's like, I love you, and she's like, walk the walk. Right? What do we say in any social group when someone talks big, but there's nothing there in their living? What do we say? I mean, human, we want this. You, you want this. You expect this in others. Sure, talk the talk, but what else? Walk the walk. What do we call people who have lots of talk and no walk? Hypocrites. Does anyone ever say, I just want to be a hypocrite when I grow up? <laughs> Does anyone ever value, you know, the people that stand out to me in life is the one I want to emulate? Total fakes. That's what I want to be. I mean, just in our own human conscience, we have a severe distaste for talk with no walk. And so John's just dropping, hey, church, if you're in the light because of your faith in Jesus, if you say you know this God who is all light and no darkness, the only way you have consistency, the only way to truly live this is to what? Walk in the light. Walk in the light. And so I gave the, the, the title of this third point, practice the light, or practice the truth. Do you see that word in verse 6? If we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not, what's that? Practice the truth. That's such an important word. John uses it quite often. Uh, my son Judah is on a baseball team, and a lot of times he goes to practice. Does he do everything perfectly while he is at practice? No. Does he improve? Yes. Do you see why this is such an important word? Practice the truth, which means it's a regular desire to grow and improve. It does not mean perfection. Sometimes people read this, or, or sometimes people think Christianity says, hey, to be a Christian, you need to start living a, you need to be, live a perfect life. John is going to here show you that there is no Christian who lives a perfect life. There's only one person ever who lived a perfect life, and he has been resurrected from the dead and sits at the right hand of the Father. So we're putting perfectionism to bed. But, what? Faith means you have fellowship with God, you have sharing with God, you have communication with God, you, you love what he loves, and so you're gonna walk in the light. Practice the truth. Practice the truth. Walk in the light. What does that mean? How do you do that? How do you do that? How do you know you're walking in the light? This is where it comes down to his commands. It comes down to his commands. 
Uh, I want you to turn with me now to Ephesians chapter 5. Galatians, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 5. Page 978 in your chair Bibles. Ephesians chapter 5. I'm going to get real practical just for a moment. I'm not going to open this whole passage up. I just want you to see how it works to walk in the light. Ephesians chapter 5. Page 978. We're going to start in verse 1. Look what Paul writes. Therefore, be, be what? Imitators of God as beloved children. So you don't imitate God so that you can become his child. You imitate God because you are his loved child through faith in Jesus Christ. But if you are his child through faith, who do you want to imitate? Imitate God. And what is God? He is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. Look at verse 2, Ephesians 5, 2. One way to know you're in the light. Walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Which, what, what's one way to live in the light? We're going to see this in 1 John. Love one another. Look at verse 3. Now we're going to get real practical. Sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Look at verse 4. Let there be no filthiness or foolish talk or crude joking which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. For you may be sure of this, that everyone who's sexually immoral or impure or who's covetous, that is an idolater, you love something that's not God more than God, has no inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Verse 6, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them. Why? For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Verse 9, for the fruit of light is is found in all that is good and right and true, verse 10, and try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. What what did you catch from that passage? What does it mean to walk in the light, to practice the truth? See God's character, hear his commands, and obey. Walk in them. Because you have fellowship with the God who is light, live out his light in your life. Practice. What do you say to somebody who won't? What do we say to somebody who's like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Yeah, I believe in Jesus, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to do what he said not to do. What would John say to them? We'll go back to 1 John now. 1 John 1 verse 6. If we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, again, walk, your your regular practice, we, what? What was that word? We lie and don't practice the truth. So we've got to walk in the light. 
as he is in the light. And isn't that your joy, Christian? Don't you want to walk in the light? Don't you want to have fellowship with him? Don't you find his commands to be good and beautiful? Practice the truth. Walk in the light. Another way we know to, how to walk in the light, look at verse 7, 1 John 1, verse 7. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. John keeps dropping this in, doesn't it? If you know the gospel, we saw last week, we have fellowship with one another. You have fellowship with us. Verse 7, if you walk in the light, we have fellowship. You expect him to say, we have fellowship with God. But instead he says, we have fellowship with who? One another. If we share in Jesus, we share one another. Here you remember some of the context of the book. Remember I said there were tamperers. There were people who were changing the message about who Jesus is, changing the message about how to follow him, changing the message about how to know him. Look at 1 John 2, 19. 1 John 2, 19. What does John write about them? They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us, but they went out. That it might become plain that they are not of us. Did you hear that? What's he saying? There's a group of people who denied fellowship with Christians. They, they left the group of faithful churches. They took off. And John says, in this case, they left. Why? It shows you something, he says. The reason they left, it might become plain, what? That they are not of us. What's John saying? Do you hear it? In this case, these are uh, false teachers, right, who are coming up with a new version of Christianity, new versions of how to live it. And, and they left the, kind of what we call the apostolic church, the church that preaches, I guess, the Bible, emphasizes who Jesus is. They left. What, what's John saying here? What's an evidence that you walk in the light? You work to preserve fellowship with other believers. You work to preserve fellowship with other believers, sharing in Christ with other believers. So, so pay attention. Do you ever find yourself thinking, I'm done with church? I'm leaving church. It's not worth my time anymore. Those people hurt me too bad. Here's the danger. Here's the danger. If you're out of fellowship with God's people, you might soon be out of fellowship with God. In fact, in some cases, the fact that these people left makes it plain they're not in the light. Now, I, want, I want to be really careful here. Am I saying that if you leave Fountain of Life to go to another church, you were never a Christian? <laughs> I do not believe that. I am not saying that. There are plenty of good and important reasons to leave churches. Really, the issue is why you left the church and where you went after that. Have you ever seen people leave churches because they no longer wanted to walk in the light? And when the fellowship of the church proclaimed the light, they ran to the darkness that breaks my heart. I've seen that more times than I can say. Walk in the light. And what's one way you know you're walking in the light? You keep fellowship with one another. So for many of you, this should lead to your joy, right? Because what are you doing all the time? 
You're fellowshipping with one another. Why? Because of Jesus. Because you're in the light. And it brings you joy. And this should give you assurance. John gave you clarity. And we've looked at the clarity. And now he says, if you're keeping fellowship in Jesus, you're you're walking in the light because you're in the light. That means, guess what? You know God. Isn't that encouraging? You know God. Third and last point for this morning. Verses 7 to 9. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I like how John says in verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Who's included in the we? John is. And who's John? The apostle. So if John still sins, guess what that means for the rest of us? We do too. And and you see, if if we claim to to be without sin, we're, we're lying And the truth is not in us. But here comes a a crisis. You know what this is a crisis for? This is a crisis for the, uh, well, I've told you before, I think the most popular religion in America is good personism. You ever met anybody like that? It's good personism. I'm a good person. And so one thing that's really hard for a good person is a real confession of sin. Because what's a real confession of sin do? It blows up the whole facade of the good personism. So they can say things like, well, nobody's perfect. You know, and everybody in the room's like, we weren't wondering if you were perfect. <laughs> nobody's perfect, but to say, I ruined it, I blew it, I was wrong, I'm guilty, I have no excuse, it, it can't come out of their mouths. Some of you maybe you had parents like that, never said they were sorry can't because it'll crack the whole system can't do it and john says if if you say this i'm a good person you're a liar number one to yourself open your eyes and watch how you can't keep the standard you hold others to but even worse look at verse 10 john says if we say we have not sinned we make him a liar When you say you're a good person on your own, every time you say and believe that, you're telling God in heaven, you lie. (laughs) It's so different to be a Christian. Isn't it amazing that the bulk of walking in the light is confessing your sin and admitting how you didn't walk in the light? This is freedom. This is freedom. A Christian can walk in honest confession. Remember how Jesus said they love the darkness so they wouldn't come? We can come to be exposed. God, expose me. Have you seen it in the Psalms? Created me a clean heart. Let the words of my mouth and meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Fine. Look, God, look at me and show me. Why can we be so brave to admit our failures to a God who's light and has no darkness? Because we have Christ. You see it? It's because we have Christ. The blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. 
Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Come to the light in the safety of the shadow of the cross. Come to the light in the safety of the shadow of the cross. You can come and say, expose me, and you see sin in ways you didn't walk in the light, and then you confess it. And what's God going to do every time? He's going to forgive you, and he is going to cleanse you. He's faithful. That means he keeps his word. And what's his promise? If you trust my son, forgiven. I'll forgive you again. I'll forgive you again. Every time, forgiven. He's faithful to forgive you. Not only that, he's just to forgive you. That's crazy. That means he would be wrong not to forgive you. How can this be? Think of the logic of the cross. Why can you be forgiven? What was Jesus doing on the cross? He was paying for your sin. How could a just God punish you for what he already punished on Jesus? It's never going to happen. It's never going to happen. So when you come to him and say, I want to be in your light, and I look to Jesus to save me and to forgive me, please forgive me. Faithful, I forgive you. Just, I forgive you. And not only that, he'll cleanse you and heal you, and give you a new start every time, every day. That's how you walk in the light. That's how you practice the truth. The same cross that got you in the light is the cross that enables you to walk in the light. Do you see how the cross and the light go together? The light of God's holiness would crush us without the cross. But then we see that Jesus, the light of the world, was wearing the darkness for us, we treasure that cross. That's what got me in. That's what made me right with God. His life, his death, and resurrection. And moreover, when we see the cross and what Jesus has done for us, that uniquely, make, uniquely makes us love the light. Don't you want to be near and with the God who's loved you like this? The God who's brought you to himself like this? Where you see sin now not as something that uh, boy, it sure looks good, like a sinfully delicious brownie. Wish I could eat that. You see, sin, no, not as something desirable, but as something that gets in the way of your true joy, which is God himself. You don't want to go back to that. You want to add another thing to what Jesus was wearing on that cross? You want to walk in the, walk in the light because you've been loved by the God who is light. How do you know you know God. Do you have the joy of fellowship with him? Let's remember three things. What's the truth? God is what? Light. In him there's no darkness at all. Number two, what's your relationship to the truth? Have you trusted Jesus? He alone can make you light. Number three, if you know the God of light through Jesus Christ, what should you do? Walk in the light. Practice the truth because it's beautiful. Keep the fellowship because we share Jesus together and joyfully confess your sins. Why? You have Christ. He made, you're safe in, in, the, in the radiance of God's light. You're safe in the shadow of the cross. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you are light and you bring us into your light. We want to walk in the light. Lord, I pray for each person here and their situation with you. 
And I pray, Lord, that if anybody isn't in your light, they haven't trusted you, that they'd hear your voice calling them today, and they would trust and believe, and they would find that they have the joy of fellowship with you. Lord, for those places in our lives of darkness that persist, we ask you um, that we could walk in the light, that we would come to be exposed, we confess our sins, be forgiven, and be transformed. We could practice the truth we proclaim. And as we do so, Lord, give us the joy of assurance that we are yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. And we invite you to visit us Sunday mornings here at Fountain of Life Fellowship. For more information, visit www.folfcrc.com.